Matt, I'm so excited today. I love uh, the start of a new season. I love, actually, the fall is a fun season. It's, it's, uh, I personally like the weather in the fall. You can kind of know how to dress, um, you know, and so it's, it's great. It's a little cooler, and so you can, uh, you know, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? But starting a new season as a church and after a rhythm that's a little bit lighter over the summer is, uh, is often an important piece for us. We really believe, we talk about rhythm and rest, and we try and plan our year around that. We try and plan how people serve around that in rotation in our ministry teams. And, uh, and also then when we start things like today, we want to start uh, in fresh ways uh, with excitement and energy. And so as you heard Sean share some of those pieces and some of those stories, uh, it's really about us engaging together in community, um, you know, just partnering with God's mission here in our neighborhood and in our city. And that's our heartbeat. And uh, that's why we call each other to these things. Uh, it's not somebody calling you. It's us calling each other uh, into this mission and into um, just uh, God's work here in the city. So I'm excited around that. But let me, let me start off. Who, this is often a question. I was listening to a podcast last week, and uh, they had this rapid-fire round for the person they were interviewing. And one of the questions that often comes up in these kind of quick surveys is, where were you on September 11th, 2001? And I don't know if you, if you catch that question on radio or TV or interviews. It's like, where were you on 9-11? I was listening to this interview, and that this happened to be a random question, and the person knew exactly where they were, what they were doing, with who. Now, if you were only born after 2001, that might not be as familiar to you. My son was actually born that year, a few months earlier in 2001, uh, when um, two planes hit the World Trade Center in New York City. And... When you think about that event, often people know exactly what was happening. For me, I happened to be signed up for three months at this gym in LaSalle called Flex Gym. I was on the treadmill and watching CNN, and I'm watching this. And I won't tell you if I was running or walking, if I was out of breath or not. You guys can figure that out on your own. But I I know where I was. And the week following that event... People, including myself, were mesmerized by the news. This constant flow of information, this constant flow of pictures. I don't know if that season just kind of, you know, upped the whole 24-hour news cycle thing, and now we just kind of live with it as normal today. But we became inundated with that story. And it's interesting because that story, it's just, it's just, it's one event but it happened in the last two decades. One event that um, was beginning to shape a generation, and we just didn't know it yet, even when it happened. In fact, today when people talk about history in the last two, three decades, often they will say post-9-11. Well, the post-9-11 world, or what the world uh, is like post-9-11, or how we view the world and interact with each other post-9-11, because it seemed to be such a significant event and such a history maker. For me, personally, it instilled this temporary fear for a few weeks. I was just so caught up with the news, and, and I, I was overcome with this sense of um, kind of just fear growing. I had this trip to a conference planned a few days later, and on the weekend before the trip, we were at this wedding, and some of my friends knew that we were going to cross into the border uh, and go to Chicago, and they're like, are you crazy? You're going to go into the States? And I, I said, well, it happened in New York, but yeah, but you don't know if something's going to happen next. And, and even at this wedding, you're just inundated with kind of like caution and, and fear, And I totally regret this, but I canceled the trip. I didn't go. I didn't cross the border. I mean, nothing was happening in Chicago. 
Nothing was happening in Illinois. But that story shaped my decisions. That story shaped what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And just think about that for a second. Is there an experience, is there a story that has affected your life? Maybe there was something that happened and affected immediately like that event for me, but maybe it's bigger than that. So I have this question for you as we start off today and as we kick off this new series. Just this question, is there a story that affects the way you live? Is there a story that affects the way you live? Now, what do I mean by story? I don't just mean like, has three little pigs affected your life? Or as Little Red Riding Hood, is that etched in your memory, you know? Um, But what I'm talking about is your story. Like maybe it's your culture of origin that's just embedded in who you are and kind of like your emotional DNA. Maybe it's a set of rules and practices that you grew up with and they're like second nature to you now. You just kind of do those things because you grew up or there was several years where you just practiced these things. Maybe it's a, it's a, a, a system of belief or faith and that that faith or belief is the lens in which you see the world or everything else. Maybe it's stories or ideas that your friends talk about at school. That like what, what you're consumed with at lunch and at breaks and, and, uh, and what, you know, what culture is talking about in high schools. Maybe it's become kind of the way you see the world and the way you see people and the way you make decisions. Maybe it's been a series of bad experiences. But here's something key. When, when you um, live by a story, your life reflects it. When you live by a story or certain stories, your life reflects it, good or, good or bad. And the way that you see the world has a lot to do with the stories that have shaped you. So today we wanna, we're going to kick off this series for the next few weeks. And it's, it's really about the stories that shape us. The desire for many of us to see these stories change because ultimately there's part of us that would love to see parts of our lives or maybe in some situations our whole life changed. But I don't think it's, I I think it's hard to change a life if you don't change your story. Or I I think it's hard to change your life if you don't change the stories that you live by. Because I have this sense that you and I are living right now influenced by the stories we believe, the stories we talk about, the stories we repeat, the stories we laugh about, the things we celebrate, the things we cherish. And here's one phrase, maybe just to remember, if you forget nothing else today as we kick off this series, remember this one phrase, we live out the stories we believe in. We live out the stories we believe in. I think that's true. When we look at the scriptures, and if you're here today for the first time or visiting with us, we often open the scriptures together and, uh, and read parts of it and, uh, and allow the scriptures to speak into our lives and allow us to learn more about um, the God we discover in Jesus. And as you look through the whole Bible, it's 66 books compiled together. It's a collection of books. And you look through the scriptures, what you notice, you know, among so many other things, but what one kind of theme that also kind of works throughout the scriptures is God working through people's stories or often God changing people's stories. God working through people's stories, God changing people's stories. And one of the places that that's so evident in is in the life of one of the nations that was the central nation figure character in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew scriptures, Israel. Now, the story of Israel, good, bad, beautiful, ugly, all kind of messy in between and good stuff and bad stuff. But God was working through this nation and we read their story in the scriptures. 
In fact, Jesus, even when he comes on the scene, fulfills Israel's story, Israel's purpose, Israel's vocation. And the scriptures is partly God's intervention in this nation's life. But here's the deal. Whether they went through slavery or became a kingdom uh, from inception or growth through success or suffering, you see God working through this nation in their stories and often trying to change their stories. And one of the things that Israel, as a nation, not as a person, but you can relate to this, they had this constant temptation to believe the wrong story about who they were and what God wanted to do in them. They often had this, this constant struggle, this constant temptation to believe the wrong story about who they were and God's purpose for their life. And, and often you will see them kind of like go like this in their history, and when they start believing the wrong story, they start veering off and living a life according to another story or stories or ideas. One of the places we see this the most in Israel's history is early on, before they even become a nation or a kingdom. Here's this small people of initially Abraham, then Isaac, then 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel, but they start growing these 12 sons and families, and then they, they, they land in Egypt. And for years and years, as this, this people group grows and grows and grows and grows, they grow under kind of Egypt's empire. And first they have an awesome relationship with Egypt, and then they have a horrible relationship with Egypt. First they're friends with Egypt, and then they're slaves of Egypt. And for years, they are slaves in that nation. But as you read the story of their history, God interrupts their story. God interrupts their life. And he begins to change their story. He uses a guy like Moses um, and, and uses someone like Moses to interrupt their story. And something extraordinary happened. It's one of the most influential moments in Israel's history. And you talk to even any Jewish person today, and they talk about the Exodus account. They talk about their exit or exodus out of Egypt. It's like when a, a, when a country has a, a revolution in their history or a civil war or independence, Israel would always look back to this monumental point in their history as part of their story, part of the story that, that, that would then kind of like influence them and in how they live and how they relate to God, how they relate to the world. God rescues them from Egypt's slavery. But here's the interesting thing about Israel, and you might feel this in your own life. They actually find freedom but they're not living like they're free. They actually receive freedom. They're rescued out of Egypt's hand, out of slavery, but they're not free. They're miles and sometimes years away from Egypt, but they're still tempted with the old story. In fact, you'll read some parts in the scriptures when, when some of them even say, oh man, back in Egypt, at least they gave us some food or water. And people are like, are you nuts? Don't you remember what... They did to us, but in that moment, they're, they're tempted with their old story. And though they were free, they struggled to live freely. Though God was charting this new story in their life, they struggled to live it fully because they were tempted with other stories. And God slowly begins to write this new story with them and does some incredible things as he interrupts and interjects their lives. And we're going to look a little bit more into that next week, but... God allows them to go through the wilderness for 40 years. It's like their detox of their old stories. 
God brings what's what we call the Ten Commandments, these principles and laws and practices that would help shape Israel into a new life, into a new story, a life where they would, would treat each other well, where they wouldn't steal from one another, where, where they would honor the, the person who lived beside them, where they would love God and love people. God started to get involved with Israel, starting to rewrite, rewrite their story to help them realize they're no longer slaves. They're no longer, that's no longer the story that should be shaping their life. There's this new story. But here's the thing, and this is where we start today. It's the tension. It's the tension of living the right story. It's the tension of living according to the right story. This whole series for the next few weeks is called Change Your Story. I believe if we want to change our life, we need to look at the stories that actually affect us We'll get to that in the coming weeks. But for today, I want us to spend enough time reflecting because so often we kind of get this big idea and then don't reflect on it enough. So here's a question to start us off. What story is influencing your life? What story is influencing your life? What narrative do you live out of? What ideas are the basis of your decisions and your actions and your reactions? Because here's, here's the truth. No one's immune to this tension. We might have these lofty ideas, this vision for life and relationships and what, you know, what, what I can do or what God can do through me. And then we're living a different path and we don't recognize, oh, maybe I'm actually believing the wrong story or the wrong stories. No one's immune to this tension. You know, even Jesus faced this tension. Imagine the son of God, God's son, deity, divine, rose from the grave, but he dealt with this tension. At the start of his ministry, God's spirit leads him into the desert. And we're just going to read that passage and have it as a backdrop for this morning. I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it off the screen because I have a different version um, than what's on the screen. This is the New Living Translation. So let's just, just look at this and look how even Jesus lived this tension and was tempted with different stories. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt one foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. Man, I mean, we can just talk about this and unpack it and unpack each piece. And we've done that actually before in other talks here at Westside. But you can see there's two sets of stories in this narrative. There's a story that Jesus is being fed, and, and, and of all things, the best temptations are the ones that are partly true, right? Like Satan feeds Jesus with, with actual scripture. 
you know, lines pulled out of God's story. But Jesus knows the whole story, and Jesus is living by the whole story. So there's these two stories kind of at odds with each other, and Jesus has to decide, am I going to live with the better story? Or am I going to live with the story I'm fed? I love that scene where it says, you know, Satan takes him to the highest peak and shows him the kingdoms of this world. I don't know what that would be like. Maybe that would be like someone takes you to the CN Tower and says, like, how far can you see? You know, like, hey, this whole city, I wouldn't really want Toronto as a city, but this whole city could be yours. Or maybe to our mountain and, you know, you see, you see it all of downtown and across into the South Shore and down into the East End and the Olympic Stadium. And someone says, hey, Dave, you know, I know this is the life you're living, but you can have all this. This could all be yours. The temptations of the different stories that we come across Two things I want us to think about as we start off this series today. The first thing is, we, let's recognize the stories we live by. Let's recognize the stories that influence us. You know, for Israel, it was years in Egypt. For Israel, for that season, in fact, 40 years and even onwards, they often kept looking back to Egypt, even though they had this new story being written. And, and they, in some ways, they weren't recognizing all the time that they were actually living out of their Egypt story and not out of God's new story. For us, we have to ask ourselves, what, what stories influence our lives? What stories shape us? For some, it's been very negative experiences. Maybe I've heard people say, my dad was never able to hold a job. My mom cheated on my dad. I grew up you know, under civil war or bomb threats in this country, not this country, but in the country they came from. Some might say the last 10 years, I've just become numb to relationships. Every relationship, one after another, after another has just hurt me and I've become numb to relationships. Maybe someone says, I I grew up never seeing a person of color and I am afraid, I don't know. And and there's, there's a prejudice in me What stories have influenced you? Sometimes it's positive stories. Someone might say the complete opposite. My dad was always present for me. My mom totally respected my dad so much. I grew up free from fear. There was never anything wrong in my neighborhood, and it was so safe. (laughs) Nick's laughing. He grew up in Shamadi or Park X or something. I think there was some rough stuff, eh, Nick? Anyways. Um. Or maybe the last 10 years gave me so much confidence for healthy relationships. I've just experienced grace. And maybe someone says, I grew up with so much diversity, all colors are normal for me. Maybe, maybe there's been positive parts of your story. Um, I, I've been watching, I watched this episode of a show called Blacklist. I don't know if you've ever heard about this show. And uh, it's, it's um, this kind of like criminal guy who's being used by the FBI to find other criminals. And this criminal guy, uh, his name is Red. He uses someone in his organization very close to him called, uh, called Mr. Kaplan. She's actually a female. Her name is Kate. And, there's, there's a, there's a, and Mr. Kaplan does stuff to help, you know, the kind of crime get cleaned up. And there's, a, there's a, an episode where they dig right deep into, Mr., or into Kate's story and how she grew up and her experiences and you hear her dad in one of the scenes say something so profound, says, what happens is in life writes a story on your flesh. 
And then later, you, there's a scene, Kate, as in her older years, as she is in the show, repeating that to someone else. My dad always used to say, what happens is in life writes a story on your flesh. What she was saying is, there's things that happen to me that I cannot shake, that I live out of. The stories, what's happened in my life has been writing a story on my flesh, and I'm living that out. And so we need to recognize what influences us. And what, what, what that means is knowing the source. Who's the source of these stories? Well, you could be the source of these stories. You could be telling yourself these stories. You could be the one who is who are kind of like creating or emphasizing these stories. Sometimes it's other people. Sometimes it's the people you hang around with, the people you've chosen to be with for a season. Maybe they are the ones who are feeding these stories or these ideas. And maybe the source of the story you're living out of didn't originate with you. It originated with other people, but now you're appropriating it. You're kind of taking it in. Maybe it's circumstances or experience, and that's the source of your story. Something happened to you. Something happened around you. Something happened to your family. Something happened in a relationship, and that experience, that circumstance, is now become a story that has been written on your flesh, and you're living that out. And, you know, experiences do that, right? And it's funny how the same place... Two people can have a different experience. When we were considering a, a mission trip to Turkey uh, a year and a half ago, and then this bad news happened in Turkey, and there was political uh, problems and uh, you know civil uh, unrest and everything, and so the people were saying, it's probably not great to go to Turkey. One of my friends named Philip, who was going to Turkey for three weeks in an or- with an organization in a trip called Building Peace. Uh, and, and what they did was they brought uh, 20 uh, Christian uh, Turks and 20 Muslims and 20 Christian North Americans together for two weeks. Young, young people. Amazing. So I would ask Philip, hey, how was it? I mean, the news has been horrible about Turkey. And he said, Dave, the hotel we were staying at, there was two weddings a night. Two weddings a night. People were just, life was going on. Isn't it interesting? The perception, the stories we live out of, the decisions we make. So for Phil, it was like, well, honestly, you, you can come here. It's going to be okay. And for others, it's like, no, don't go there because of, stories influence us. Jesus was clear on what stories would influence him. And he had to make a choice because he had these stories fed to him by the tempter. But he also had this overarching story that he was choosing to live out that God had given him. God's story, God's truth. So question, what stories are influencing you right now? And if you, if, you, if you can, like maybe not on a piece of paper unless you want to or on your phone or something, but is there a phrase or a word that you would just write down or think about right now that would identify and recognize the stories you're living out of? Oh, you want to share it? Is it just a, a word? Yes. What's the word? Awesome. And her mother said oh, an example. Okay. <laughs> her mother said an example to her. Yeah. My 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 grandmother was an awesome lady. Mm-hmm. My mom is going to be ninety-five in October. She's been in a wheelchair for five years, and by stroke, and she is so 
grateful mm. for each and every day. She is the least prejudiced person I know yet. She was born in South Africa and wow. lived there until she was 30 when she married my dad and they came here. That's but awesome. But she's, uh, all the people of color at the home at Dorval, Foyer Dorval, they all call her the African queen. But she's, she <laughs> wins everybody's heart. That's cool. Thank you for sharing that, Sharon. Awesome. I really love it. I really appreciate that. There, that's, that's a story that maybe, um, you know, influences people and has influenced you. Maybe some of you have had negative stories or positive stories or a word. Today I was, um, there's an author named Anne, Anne uh, Lamott, and um, she, she, she always talks about her, her, um, her life as an alcoholic. For 30 years she's been sober. And she, she posted this weekend on Instagram a friend of hers that became sober on the same day of her 30 years ago. And her friend is in a wheelchair, but she described her friend as someone who's always smiling who emanates God's love, who blesses the people around her. So here's Anne Lamott. One, she's living out of the story, her pre-story out of dealing with alcoholism. But she's now rooting herself in a story of sobriety and a story of God's love and grace and transformation. In her own personal life, she shares her story of faith and this woman who becomes part of that. But just, so just, I'll leave you to think about that. A, A word, a phrase that would describe your story right now. But I want to move from recognizing to understanding because I want us to understand how the stories affect our lives and how, how you're living out the stories that influence you. And often they're like symptoms. You may not be able to, to say, well, because this happened, this is happening, but you need to look at symptoms. And here are some ways to, to consider those symptoms. One is to look at your relationships. Your relationships tell you a lot about the stories you're living out of, the things you believe, the ideas that are important to you. Your reactions, how you react to people are so vital. They, they, they give you a sense, they give you a symptom of, of the stories you believe. I remember growing up, one of the things I would hear from other people, adults around me, when I would do something, play, play something like musically or do something in front of people, often I'd hear, what did people say? What did people say? Dave, what did people say? And it drove this kind of question in me to search for affirmation, to search for a response. And, and it did a couple of things. One, it made me overly mindful of people's, people's um, kind of response to me or people's opinion of me in that season. And on the negative side as well, when someone would compliment me, I'd often shrug it away. I had a hard time just saying thank you. Because over and over I would hear that phrase, hey, what did people say? So it made me kind of look almost for a reaction, for an applause, for a positive affirmation. That reaction is a symptom of a story I was living out of. Maybe our decisions, our purchases, our schedules, our worries, they're symptoms of the stories we live out of. My dad, a great guy, and I loved him so much and and appreciate him so much, but he worked so much when I was uh, a kid and, I, and, and for good things and wonderful things and godly things and an amazing provider and, and work ethic. But man, I mean, he, it was normal for him to be out almost every night. It was normal for him. And as much as I appreciated him, one of the stories he was writing with his life affected me. Because as I got older and I, as I got married and as I had a family, at times it was hard for me to sit still in the evenings. It's like an evening free. What am I going to do? I better do something. I felt guilt planning a vacation or a day off or something. It was like, this feels weird. This feels strange. And that part of my story, you know, then could develop these symptoms in me. 
And I have to understand what stories, how they affect me, and how they're played out in my life. And here's the thing you got to understand. They might linger in the background quietly, but they influence our lives monumentally. These stories, even the subtle remembrance of my dad, they live in the background quietly, but they affect our lives monumentally. And so as we come, maybe just to wrap up this morning's theme, here's my question. Are you open to a new story? Are you open to a new story? Do you long for a new story? I grew up in, uh, in a, an Italian family, and my grandparents were born in Italy, my, my parents as well. But I, I, I was well connected with the Italian community, both in Montreal and Toronto. Something I noticed about my grandparents was unique. They had clothes that didn't look like we are clothes. They kind of like wore clothes that, that came from Italy in 1930 and 1940. And I'd walk to the mall and I'd see other people my grandparents' age and I would notice they had normal clothes, like Canadian clothes, you know? And uh, not clothes that maybe you use in the garden or in the kitchen or, or whatever. And I, it always puzzled me. I'm like, why don't my grandparents, like why is my grandfather wearing like his, his pants from the war or something, you know? And... And, but, you know, so-and-so, John down the streets wearing jeans and running shoes. And, and you know, and so they, they were just kind of like that, right? Their clothes were different. They rarely ate in a restaurant because it was a waste of money. And they had no sense of culture except the Wheel of Fortune, maybe. They kind of, like, watched that show. But that was it. Like, and and I did, it wasn't just my grandparents. I've noticed in other people kind of their age, they were living another story. They left Italy and some of their stories was very positive, obviously. Like I've, we've learned, we learned much from that generation in such beautiful ways. But when I look at some of the other pieces, they, they kind of moved to a, a new country but kept living an old story. And I noticed that when I went to Italy and I met my cousins, they didn't dress like my grandparents. They, didn't talk, they knew the culture of Italy where my grandparents didn't really know the culture of Canada where they lived. And I thought... Why is that? And so somehow in Italy, they kept moving forward and allowed other things to shape them. But my grandparents in that generation kept living that story from the 30s and the 40s. Somehow they shifted over to a place, but kept living another story. And as much as, like I said, there's some positive things about that, we often do the same thing with the areas of our lives where we want to grow. We say, I want to step into this new relationship, but I'm living out an old story of relationships. I want to step into this new season of, of financial health, but I'm living, in an old, I'm living in an old story. How many people win $300 million from the lottery, but they keep living their old financial story, and that $300 million is gone within three months, right? They, they didn't step in and say, how must I live this story and I think we often do that. We know there's a better story to live. There's a better life to live. There's, there's growth in these areas of our lives and areas of our faith. But we often kind of get stuck in like this old story. And it shows up in how we live. So my question, I'm going to ask the band to come up as we, we, we come to a close to this the message time, is this. is Do you long for a new story? Do you long for a new story? Do you long for a new story of relationships in your family, in your friendships, in your marriage? Do you long for a new story in your finances, in your generosity, in your stewardship? Do you long for a new story in, in faith and in mission and how God would use you 
uh, in the world, but also how God would grow your heart and your relationship with him. Do you, do you long for a new story in your attitudes, the attitudes that carry you throughout the day and throughout the week and throughout a season? Do you, do you want to live a new story in how you relate at work and, and how you fulfill your work and how you live in your neighborhood? And, and I know that there's parts of us here that will, that will say, yes, I think, yes. Some of you are roaring inside like, yes, I need to live this new story. But some of you might say, I'm not sure. I kind of like, I'm okay with the story I have. Now, before you say no, and before you say I don't need a new story, is there anything in your life that needs change? Is there anything in your life that needs a new revolution? Because even if you think your life is based on the right story, the way you live your life indicates the story that you're really living. You know what I'm saying? We might say, I believe in, in healthy relationships, but my life indicates that I'm living out of a story of unhealthy relationships. We might say, this is what I long to do for my, my friends or my families, but the way we actually live day to day, the decisions we're making and our actions are actually living out of a different story. And the invitation is, is this, because here's the, the truth. Whatever life you are demonstrating is the stories you're living out of. Not, not the life you aspire to. Good intentions are awesome. But your life demonstrates the stories you're living. Your actions demonstrate the stories you believe in. Your decisions demonstrate the stories you're going to root yourself in. Not just your aspirations. Not just my aspirations. And I've come to the end of the rope in many of those times in my life where I say, oh, this, this, yes, I can talk the talk. Well, I, like, yeah, I'm doing this. This is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm healthy. I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever. And then I realize, oh, well, if I really look at my life, I'm really living out of a different story because I'm not really pursuing health or my faith and growth. And, and so here's my invitation to you today is God can walk with us in these new stories to be written God can walk with you towards this change. We're going to talk about this in the next week or so. God can do that. God wants to come alongside of. Just, just like he interrupted Israel's story and interjected Israel's story, he can interject our story and he wants to give us the better story to live out of. Just like Jesus, though he was in that moment of tension, he had that choice and there was, there was this, this, this opportunity to live out the story he knows he was called to live out of or to, be, or to fall into the temptation of the other stories he was being fed. So the next few weeks, I want us this week specifically, reflect on the stories that shape your life. Reflect on the stories that influence you the most. Next week, we're going to talk about changing, what it means to change our story. And then what it means to live out our story. And then, look at, then we're going to look at the overarching story of Jesus and the church and what that means for us as a church community. But just, just for today, I'm going to invite you just to sur- come in a moment of surrender. The team's going to lead us through a song. And the words, I, I believe, are helpful for us to just, um, just take this moment and, and, and surrender our lives, surrender our aspirations, surrender what we, what we long for even, and invite God to lead us, to guide us, to shape the vision of the stories of our lives, to shape our lives, to give us a new story. He has that in store for us. So I'm going to invite the team 
to lead us to sing through that. And, and I encourage you to do that. Would you stand as we, as we do this together? We're going to sing that second verse and chorus again. Um, before we do, let's, let's pray and ask the Lord to empower us in this moment. Father, we're grateful. You're a God who intersects, interjects, interrupts our lives even. You're a God who reveals yourself to us. And we say thank you for that, God. God, help us to recognize these stories that have influenced our lives. Help us understand the symptoms of, of, what, of, what, of our actions. Help us to discern, God, the stories that keep pulling us back. And God, give us a vision for the kind of life and the, that you're calling us to and the story, your story, that can be the root and foundation of this new life. God, we surrender in this moment. We say, you be the author. God, we want to be rooted in your story, in your life for us. Give us the grace to move forward, to live that out, to trust you. Give us the wisdom 